Hey, I'm Mary, and this is Sex Work for the Soul. excited for today's episode. I think I open every single one of my episodes by saying that. <laughs> I always say something like, I've been thinking about this for a long time, or, <laughs> you know, it's all the same. I do a lot of uh, introspection when I do these episodes. And as a perfectionist, <laughs> as a recovering perfectionist, we'll say that, I definitely had to take some time to figure out how I wanted to tackle this. So, here we are. <laughs> the Fool's Journey. Are you familiar with that term? Have you heard that before? If you haven't, it is from the tarot. It represents the first 22 cards of the tarot deck, otherwise known as the Major Arcana cards. These first 22 cards of the deck represent our human experience. All the ups and downs, all the obstacles, all the lessons, all of the triumphs, all the stuff, all the big stuff, we'll say. <laughs> the major arcana cards in a reading are usually, they hold a little bit more weight, we'll say, than the minor arcana cards. The minor arcana encompass uh, the suits, so that includes wands, cups, pentacles, and swords each of those representing the different elements as well. The major arcana aren't represented by any particular suit. They are just standalone cards in and of themselves. There are certainly connections between different major arcana cards and other major arcana cards. Um, I'm not sure if we'll get into that today, but I'm going to give you a little rundown for the fool's journey. It's a long journey. <laughs> and it's not one that is uh, linear, I'll say. So we go through these things multiple times throughout our life, but each of them are like staples within the human experience. And you'll come to see why. You'll come to see what these things represent and how they are just reoccurring themes within human experience. The Fool's Journey has been such a huge, important part of my self-growth as a person and also my spiritual growth. It's It was kind of the window into spirituality for me. Um, I thought I would start a little bit with some personal uh, connections here to The Fool's Journey. But first, I should tell you why it's called The Fool's Journey. So the very first card in the deck is actually card number zero, which is The Fool. And if you have taken a look at my Patreon, which is launched today officially for the public, my uh, tier one is called The Fool. And it's not because I'm calling you a fool. <laughs> I mean, I am, but not the type of fool that we think of typically, okay? So The Fool is not an idiot. <laughs> the Fool is naive, maybe, but The Fool is the first character within the tarot deck, and it actually represents us. It represents the um, the listener, the querent, whoever is having the reading done, the fool is you. And the fool and the fool's journey is us. The fool goes on this journey and meets all of these different characters through all these major arcana cards and is transformed throughout the experience. So the fool is really just like the main character of life. I'll get into this a little bit more uh, as we go along in today's episode, but the fool represents taking a leap, having faith in yourself, and being excited about this journey called life. So um, I am going to tell you guys a little bit about my own personal connection to the tarot and specifically to the major arcana. 
I do believe I might have mentioned this in my first episode. It's It's been a while. It's kind of crazy to think that my first episode was back in October. But um, my very first tarot reading ever was done during a Reiki healing session that I went to. And actually, my mother took me to this Reiki healing session because I was going through a really hard time. She gave a little warning. This personal story is going to have some discussion about mental health, including um, suicidal ideation. So if that's something you don't want to listen to, just skip ahead a couple minutes. So at this time in my life, I was at rock bottom. I was feeling really, really bad. I uh, just wanted to die, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and so my mother was rightfully worried about me. And I have gone to Reiki healers in the past before this time, and it had always worked very well for me. Energy healing has always worked really well for me. So she took me to this alchemist who was a Reiki healer, and she happened to have tarot cards as well. And this woman took me, um, even though she didn't have space in her schedule, She, uh, my mom told her what was going on, and she was like, sure, just, just come on in. So we went in. I had my energy clearing session, and she pulled a tarot spread for me using the major arcana cards. So she didn't use any of the minor arcana within this, and um, this spread that she used was supposed to be like a, a spread of me, of me as of my journey in life and where where I was at and where I was going. And at first, uh, I didn't really think much about it because I was an atheist at the time. I was not really interested in tarot. It was kind of like, whatever, like people can do whatever they want, but like, I don't really believe in that. So I kind of took it with a grain of salt at first. I knew that this woman really meant well though. And because of that, um, it kind of just planted a seed in the back of my mind. And I found myself returning to this reading over and over again over for probably around six months. I just kept coming back to it. She gave me a written um, reading along with that in-person reading that she gave me. She emailed me a big, long description of each of the cards and what she felt for me within them. And I visited that email <laughs> so many times and just reread it over and over and over. And it gave me so much hope so much hope during a time when I had none. I was totally stuck in my life. It was before I had decided to take the leap and do sex work. It was actually right when I decided to do that. Um, and it was a huge, huge part of why I decided to change my life. And the star card was a big influence in that. The sun card um, I do believe the fool might have been in that spread as well, but that time in my life was such a huge turning point in which I realized maybe there are some things out there that I can't really explain that are beneficial to me. I was very much a person that believed in like facts, <laughs> facts and figures only and not any kind of spiritual knowledge or intuitive knowing. I didn't really know about those types of things, you know? We're kind of in a society in which we learn to silence those things or, or just not consider them as valid. So this was a huge turning point for me, um, being introduced to the major arcana and the tarot in general. I totally changed my life after that. I do believe that this very first reading that I received is a huge reason why I ended up pursuing the study of tarot in order to become a reader myself, because I find so much fulfillment from being able to provide that connection between source and my querents. I, I just love, I love being able to give these readings and have people say, oh my God, like, that resonated so much. I'm going through all these things and they describe all the stuff that's going on in their life and how these cards really make sense. And it's just, it, it's the gift that keeps on giving for me. That's what tarot really is. And I feel very lucky that I honestly, at least in the last year, a year and a half, I don't get anybody that tells me the cards didn't make sense at all or anything like that. Uh, I feel very blessed. I am very thankful to Source for allowing me to 
connect to the right people at the right time in the right place to have these super meaningful readings together. So I also am a big supporter of my uh, querents diving more into tarot on their own, which is why I decided to do a Patreon where I can talk a little bit more about specific cards in depth because there's just so much to be gained. There's so much to be gained. And I know that it's changed my life for the better. So I only hope that through my tarot readings and um, my tarot education that I'll be posting in the Patreon that I will help other people to start on the path that got me here. So yay. <laughs> okay, let's get into the actual topic today. Uh, now that I've talked your ear off about my own little experiences with the fool's journey, let's get into it. So the fool's journey can be divided into three main parts. Again, there are 22 cards. Each of these cards um, have a number. Again, the fool starts on number zero, so that makes it a little, a little silly. But cards zero through six can be seen as the journey of the self. As we move into seven through 13, this is the journey through the world. And then cards 14 through 21, this is the journey through the universe. So we kind of expand outwards as we move along. And it's it's really interesting to see how these cards change. We go from very small kinds of inward concepts into these bigger outward uh, celestial kinds of concepts. So I'd like to give you a little insight into each of these cards. We're going to start with the journey of the self, with the first seven cards, starting with number zero, the fool. We've already talked about him a bit. <laughs> I do recommend if you have a tarot deck, specifically if you have a Rider Waite Smith tarot deck, I recommend you grab it so you can take a look as we talk about each of these cards. You can tell I'm a visual learner. <laughs> But the symbols and the pictures within these cards and within this deck are very, very full of meaning. And so when we look at the Fool card, we see the Fool. He's got a little knapsack on a on a stick, like one of those stereotypical um, like hitchhiker <laughs> uh, visuals from like old cartoons. There is also a little dog at his feet, a little white dog, and he's standing on the edge of a cliff. There are big mountains in the background, and the sky is filled with yellow light from the sun in the background. The sun is important in this card because this really represents like new, warm, excited energy. The fool is ready. The fool is not even looking at the ground before him. He doesn't really realize that he's like at the edge of a cliff. He's just like looking out at this big journey that he's about to go on. And he's just excited. He's so ready. This represents new beginnings, fresh energy, taking a leap of faith. And it's it's really about our belief in ourselves. So believing in yourself, knowing that when you leap, the net will appear. That's one of my favorite quotes ever. <laughs> because we get so stuck in fear sometimes in our lives that we never take the leap because we don't believe that there will be a net. But our belief that there is no net is why there will be no net. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like the law of attraction, the idea that what we think is what we create in our life, what we think is what we see. Um, the more that we can tap into the full energy, the more we can trust in the universe to provide that net for us, which is why the fool is such a powerful, powerful um, character for anyone that needs a little boost of confidence. The fool has a little puppy <laughs> at his side, like I mentioned. That puppy is jumping and presumably barking. Uh, the idea is that that dog is is kind of the the voice of reason behind this fool. So it is a little reminder that like, yeah, like definitely don't take a leap if there's imminent danger below. Like we don't want you to completely uh, ignore any important signs, but it's important to remember that sometimes those signs that we see, the signs of danger, might be just within our head. So it's good to have discernment during uh, 
those full moments to really figure out what is a real danger and what is my perceived danger. So from the fool, I could talk about each of these cards for like an hour <laughs> just on their own. So I'm going to try to move myself along so you won't be here for three hours for this podcast. <laughs> As we move along into number one, we get to the magician. If we look at the magician, he again has that yellow background. He's actually kind of glowing as well. He's got the infinity symbol above his head and he is pointing up with his wand and pointing down to the ground with his other hand. So this card and the magician is all about bringing what we seek into reality. The magician is a manner a master manifester. He actually possesses all of the suits that are within this uh, the minor arcana cards. At the table before him, there's a pentacle, a cup, a sword, and a wand. Around him are all of these flowers. Anytime you see flowers in the tarot deck, it really represents abundance and, you know, connection with nature, connection with the universe. The magician is connected to the cosmos and to the earth. So they're very grounded and and they kind of serve as the conduit between those two things, which is really the um, kind of the cornerstone of manifestation. So the magician teaches the fool how to bring his dreams into reality. Look at me moving along. Getting to number two, <laughs> we have the high priestess. The high priestess is so interesting. Her imagery is, oh, there's so much that we could get into with it, but she has two pillars behind her. One is black, one is white. These represent the black and white areas of life and how um, we know that not everything is purely black and white, right? There's an in-between area too. The high priestess teaches us how to have that discernment. She lies in the in-between. She is the master of intuition. I like to call her the master of personal spirituality because we come to a card later called the Hierophant, um, which is the master of like outward spirituality or communal spirituality. And the high priestess is really about our own intuition and our own connection to spirit or the universe, the cosmos, God, whatever you want to use, whatever word you want to use, even your higher self. She is really, really about the connection with your higher self because in my opinion, your higher self is where your intuition comes from. So when we get the high priestess card, we, we learn how to look inward and to listen to really listen. She's a very good listener. <laughs> she knows how to listen to the intuition and to figure out which voices, because we all have multiple voices that come up in our head, which voice is anxiety, which voice is our ego, which voice is our intuition. There are ways to learn what is what, and the high priestess helps us to learn that. After the High Priestess, we get into number three, the Empress card. And uh, we love the Empress. <laughs> she is seated in a field of grain. She has Venus imagery around her. She is the embodiment of abundance and connection with nature. The Empress represents love, both outward and inward. She is truly the goddess okay so she's like the goddess type energy within this deck our next card is going to be the god energy and we'll talk about that in a moment but uh the empress is all about the goddess so the goddess is not only connected to love but to creation and creativity she represents fertility and when i talk about fertility it can be uh, contextualized within the actual, like, physical meaning of fertility, right? Like having children, uh, procreating. But fertility can also be, like, creativity, um, the spark of creation, okay? We're talking more than just creating new life. We're talking about creating anything, just creation in general. The Empress really um, helps us to tap into that kind of energy. 
would also say that the empress connects us to the physical realm. If the high priestess connects us to the spiritual, ethereal kinds of realms, the empress brings us down and grounds us into the earth. She is very much connected to earth energy. As we move along to number four, we get to the emperor. And as you can imagine, he's like the other side of the coin to the empress. So he's that God kind of energy. He represents structure. He represents protection and planning. He, if you think of an emperor, uh, like just an idea of an emperor, it's someone that creates structure to protect their subjects, right? To provide order and to create an environment in which everyone can thrive. So the emperor is all about making those kinds of decisions that an emperor needs to make. The emperor teaches us how to have, you know, uh, discipline within our lives. If you look at the imagery on his card, he has um, rams on his the edge of his throne, which uh, actually connects him to the energy of Aries, which is kind of cool. There's a lot of connections within the tarot to astrology as well. Like what we mentioned with the Empress, she's got some Venus imagery on there. So she's kind of connected to the energy of Taurus and Libra, um, who are ruled by Venus. But anyway, <laughs> if I get into all of that, this podcast really, really will be like three hours long. <laughs> now, next, we go to number five, and we reach the Hierophant. The Hierophant looks like a Pope kind of figure. He's got two kind of disciples below him uh, with two keys crossed at the bottom of the card. He also has two pillars behind him like the, uh, the high priestess did, but his pillars are gray. He is the embodiment of organized spirituality, organized religion, and the teachings. So spreading the word. This card is actually my birth card, <laughs> which is why I've really uh, settled back into my teaching roots. For those of you that may not know, I think you probably know by now if you started listening from the beginning of my podcast, but my uh, former profession was teaching. So now I'm back into teaching, but I'm just teaching about different things. So here I am teaching you about the tarot. <laughs> I do believe that the Hierophant has... Um, the Hierophant is definitely one of those cards that gets a bad rap, most likely because of the connotations of the Pope and the religion uh, behind that and the harm that um, some organized religions have placed upon our world as a whole, right? So looking past that, in an ideal world, the Hierophant represents a just and moral person that helps others to connect with source in an organized and insightful way. They are definitely connected to the emperor energy of like structure. If we look at any of these cards, I do, I do love to connect the cards with uh, who comes before them. We can kind of use that as a way to create um, context for each of these cards, and this goes for the minor arcana as well. If you pick a card, think about what is before and what is after that card too. That gives you a lot of context into what creates this particular card that you picked, because uh, if you think about it in a story kind of format, what whatever happened before has given this card that you picked the environment, the tools, the knowledge to be what it is. I hope that makes sense. Um, so the Hierophant is definitely informed by all the cards beforehand, but especially the Emperor with creating structure. Now the next card is super interesting, especially with that in mind. Number six is the Lovers. And the Lovers, a lot of people think it's just about relationships and, you know, balancing divine feminine and divine masculine. But it's, it's much more than that. If you look at the imagery, we have an angel in the sky. Uh, the sun is above him. The sun, again, is such a blessing within all of these cards. Anytime you see the sun, it's really about divine uh, blessings and happy, joyful energy. We do, um, there's so much imagery to look at within this card. If you look at the woman on the left, she has basically um, the it's supposed to be representative of the Garden of Eden. So we have the Tree of Knowledge with uh, the serpent 
behind her. And then the man on the right has a uh, tree of life is what we see that as it actually has 12 uh, flames on on it. And those 12 flames represent, guess what? The zodiac, the zodiac signs, which is super interesting. Really cool. But these two people represent more than just divine feminine and divine masculine. They represent duality. The idea of duality is that there are, you know, multiple sides to everything, right? So one thing can exist while the other also exists. This card teaches us to balance the sides of ourselves and to learn how to balance with others. How do I bring my energy into a situation and not allow it to you know, take over someone else's energy, but allow it to commingle and um, really work together with that other person's energy. Again, every card can be interpreted as like energy towards like outward energy or inward energy. It just depends on how it comes up and uh, the context of the reading. But when I get the lover's card, a lot of the time it's a, it's a reminder that, uh, it's time to do a little inventory on where my values are. It, it rules our values and our ethics as well, which is why it kind of connects us back to the Hierophant. Because if we think about organized religion, the reason the organized religion has gained power is because it's a way to teach people morals. It's a way to teach people how to be good. Um, so this lover's card is asking what does goodness mean to you? Now, our next card, number seven, is the chariot. That's actually our card of the year. And I plug myself one more time. <laughs> I actually have a post in the Patreon about the chariot and how you can connect more with it for our special card of 2023. The chariot is such a cool card. There's so much symbolism within this card, but Overall, we see two sphinxes at the bottom of a chariot with a rider behind. The rider doesn't have any kinds of reins. The rider trusts that these sphinxes will take them where they need to go. They know that uh, they are divinely guided in that way. And it's it's kind of go time. <laughs> a lot of the time when you see the chariot, as well as like the eight of wands, um, these cards are very much the energy of let's get it. <laughs> Let's go. So the chariot teaches us when to go and when to pause. If you see this card reversed, it is usually a time to reroute. Uh, so if the chariot is a, is upright, it tells us we know that it's, it's time to go. It's time to go on this journey. We know our route. We know where we're going. We're divinely guided and it's time. We might not know all the mysteries of life, but that's why we got these sphinxes with us. They know these things and they are guiding us. So it's, it's really a, a super cool card. And it's wonderful that this chariot is actually the beginning of the next, uh, phase of the fool's journey. We've now moved into the world. We are starting on this bigger journey. The first uh, seven cards up to the lovers were about us and about our inward selves and just about us gaining knowledge about who we are and what we stand for, right? Now we're moving out into the world. So after the chariot, we have the strength card number eight. The strength card is so cool. It's not about physical strength as much as you might think. It's, we picture a woman with a, a lion. The lion's mouth is open. The woman is kind of petting the lion almost. She's not like forcing its mouth open or anything. The lion is just happily opening its mouth for her. And so this is representative of us having strength, being brave, persevering, but remembering that it's not all about brawn. It's not all about, all about this physical strength that seems to be so important to us humans, right? It's about inner strength. It's about quiet strength. Strength doesn't have to be forceful. Strength sometimes is allowing for space. This, this woman on this card is allowing the lion to be what it is. And if we think about what the lion is, the lion is very much connected to Leo energy. It's very much connected to uh, strength, you know, as we think of it like physical strength. Um, 
And so it's this beautiful dichotomy of those two types of strengths here together on one card and how it teaches us how to know when to use which type of strength, right? Lovely. Next, number nine, we have the hermit. The hermit is on the top of a big, tall, snowy mountain. He's holding a lantern and he's all by himself. He's got his wand at his side and he's on a journey. This card teaches us that solitude sometimes is what we need and that when we can explore, this, the hermit is definitely on a pilgrimage of sorts, when we can allow ourselves to explore um, and again, we just came from the strengths card. So when we come from a place of strength and when we allow ourselves to be brave and to go on new journeys without anyone else, without anyone else's approval or anyone else by our side, we can find huge, huge, uh, you know, seas of knowledge. And the, the hermit is also about finding that knowledge from within and discovering that we kind of have all that we need just within ourselves. Next, we move on to number 10, which is the Wheel of Fortune. This has a ton of astrological imagery. We have all the fixed astrological signs um, at the edges of this card. So we have Aquarius, there's Taurus, Scorpio, and Leo. It's very interesting to see how people react to this. They kind of like, sometimes this can be a negative card. People think that it's, it just means that like life is up to chance, blah, blah, blah. And it does kind of mean that, but <laughs> it's also about learning how to change your viewpoint. So when you are given something negative, what are you going to do with it? When life, you know, deals you a shitty hand of cards, are you just going to look at how shitty it is or are you going to figure out how you can make something of it? It's about knowing that it's not always going to be great, but it's not always going to be bad either. Life is about the ups and downs and the good and the bad, and you can't have one without having both. And the Wheel of Fortune teaches us that. Number 11 is the Justice card. We see a judge with a sword in one hand and a scale in the other. The scale is very reminiscent of the Libra astrological sign. And the sword is representative of the sword suit in the tarot, which is ruled by air energy, which is perfect because Libra is an air sign. <laughs> so air energy rules our intellect. And the justice card is about justice and um, weighing our options and understanding cause and effect, how we hold responsibility in situations. And it's also about making decisions on where we stand. Next, we move on to the hanged man, which is number 12. I love the hanged man card. You see a man hanging from a tree um, and he's got this particular pose, which you can look up the symbolism of this particular pose. There's a lot of symbolism within the way people are posed on the tarot cards um, that goes back into ancient esoteric symbolism. But one of the things that, that sticks out to me in this card is the hanged man, even though he's hung upside down, he's obviously not in a great situation. He actually has this... Uh, kind of aura around his head, representative of enlightenment. If we think back to a lot of artwork within Christianity, especially, but other religions as well, when we see that halo type of uh, imagery around a person's head, it is representative of enlightenment. So even though this hanged man is upside down in a kind of weird situation, <laughs> not great situation, he is he has learned how to let go of his physical limitations and he's moved into uh, a place of enlightenment by taking on a new perspective and figuring out uh, how to see the world with new eyes. So this is about whenever we're faced with difficult situations where we're turned, we're turned around, things don't seem to be what we want them to be, right? We can always find new perspective by looking at what what's the lesson here? What am I supposed to learn from this situation? And with our next card, we move into the very last card of the world part of our journey, 
And that's the death card. Number 13, of course it's number 13, right? <laughs> Is the death card. And we see death on a steed coming in with a big flag. And there are four people below him. Each of these people are meeting death in a different way. And it's really representative of how are you going to meet death? And death doesn't mean physical death. It could potentially mean that. But it's we're really talking about the symbolic meaning behind death. Death is about letting go. It's about transition. It's about moving into a new state. So death could be you leaving a job and starting a new part of your life. Um, it It's all about letting go and one journey being over and the next starting. Again, transitions and transformation. And that brings us into the last little spread, the last little uh, leg of this journey in which we represent the universe. The first card within this last leg is the temperance card, which is number 14. This is my second birth card. Uh, if you're interested in figuring out your birth card, again, this is another thing that I have within my Patreon right now. So <laughs> it's going to be posting later this week, actually. So if you're interested in learning how to calculate your birth card and how to kind of use that to, to grow into your purpose, then um, check out my Patreon. <laughs> so the temperance card is super cool. We see an angel with one foot in water and one foot on land. They really represent balance. In their hands, they have two cups that they're pouring water between. This angel obviously represents divinity as well, but we are learning about moderation. We've just come from death. We are reborn. And in the background here, we see a crown at the end of a long, long road. So this is telling us that we've been born anew. We're coming out of the water now. And we're about to start on this new journey towards enlightenment. And it's going to be long, so we have to make sure that we're not going to be burning ourselves out, right? So this card tells us to do all things in moderation, right? It's always good to have this reminder to remember that uh, we don't want to overdo anything. If it's a good thing, if it's a bad thing, we just need to make sure that we uh, understand how to balance ourselves out throughout this journey. And it's so funny that the next card is the devil card. This is the one that everybody is afraid of all the time between the death card and the devil card, I think, and the one that's coming next. These are the ones that scare people the most. And I have to say, it's so funny. The first time I ever gave my dad a tarot reading, he was kind of nervous about it. And of course, I'm pretty sure the devil and the tower card came out. <laughs> But it was like, it, it made a lot of sense for what he was going through at the time, but it was like, oh, damn it, <laughs> I don't want you to be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid of the devil card. It is not like an omen or something like that. The devil is really all about teaching us to recognize what ways we bind ourselves. And the ways that we bind ourselves have to do with our self-imposed limitations, um, you know, are the things that we are addicted to. It rules all kinds of addictions, all those kinds of things that are out of balance. So we come from the temperance card and then we're faced with the devil who tells us, hey, did you really, did you really learn what you were supposed to learn back there? Let's take a look at this again. The devil is not like holding you in this place. The devil is allowing you to see what you need to see. If you look at the imagery on this card, it is actually very similar to the lovers. We have two people at the bottom of the card and uh, the devil in the background, just like the angel was in the background of the lovers card. If you look at the tails of these little, little devils in the front of the card, they actually are reminiscent of the trees that were in the background of the lovers deck or sorry, the lovers card. If you look around the necks of these little devils, they have chains around their necks, but the chains are very loose. They could literally lift the chains over their heads and be free. So this is about us discovering the power to lift those chains and to free ourselves from our own limitations. Next, we move into probably the most scary card of the deck, <laughs> what people think is scary at least, and it's number 16, the tower card. The tower shows a huge tower being hit by a 
big lightning bolts, uh, and it's in flames. There are people falling from it. There are sharp, sharp rocks below. It's just a little scary looking. <laughs> um, and I laugh because like, I've come to love this card so much because I've got a lot of Aquarius energy going on in my, in my chart. And I love a good breakdown. <laughs> I think this card really teaches us how to let things happen. This is going to happen to us numerous times in our life. We all have tower moments. We all have moments when things fall apart. There are sudden changes. We experience loss uh, and devastation. These things happen. There is no avoiding this in life. We're never going to go through life and never experience pain, right? So the tower reminds us that everything could fall apart in an instant, and it's not a threat. Okay, the words that it came across to me was, it's not a threat, it's a promise, but that sounds more threatening. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious to me. But it is, it is, um, because we can't avoid these things. And actually, when we try to avoid these things, a lot of the time, we bring them closer to us in a more, uh, it, faster usually, right? So there's no point in trying to avoid it. What we can do is to nurture ourselves through it. So when we experience tower moments in life, we have to remember that this is temporary. This is something that needed to happen because we needed to let go of something. And it's time for us to feel what we need to feel when this happens, uh, but also figure out, okay, how do I pick up the pieces and keep going from here? And the next card is a beautiful, beautiful transition out of the tower card. We have the star card. My personal favorite of all the major arcana cards, number 17, is the star. Again, pretty indicative of Aquarius energy. The star is a naked woman who is pouring um, water from these pitchers. One of the pitchers is pouring into the water and then the other is pouring onto the land. Behind her, she has these stars in the sky and she is all about faith. She teaches us to have faith in the universe, to remember that the universe has our back and that all we need to do is believe in ourselves. And when we believe in ourselves and our higher self and our inner source, the universe will meet us and it will support us. So I love the star card. I think it's so beautiful that it comes right after the tower uh, because even when it's darkest, the stars still shine. And that's just uh, so beautiful. <laughs> um, the star card is also about being generous with our faith and our love and not being afraid to shine brightly. So she's naked for a reason. Anytime you see any characters that are naked in the tarot uh, deck, it is indicative of bearing yourself to the world, bearing yourself with all your strengths and your weaknesses and not being ashamed. The star has no shame for the way that she is. She just is, and she understands that. And she knows that regardless of her flaws, she's still backed by the universe. Now we stay in the nighttime here for this next card. When we move from the star, we go into the moon, number 18. This is my card of the year, this year. Um, and again, <laughs> I keep saying this is the last time I'm going to I'm going to say it but we are going to be talking about this within the Patreon um how you can calculate your card of the year because we have an overall card of the year which is the chariot this year and then you actually have a personal card of the year which you can calculate. So, uh the moon card is so interesting. Some people find it scary. I find it fascinating. I love the moon card. The moon teaches us how to look inward into our subconscious. The moon represents the illusions that we experience in life, our fears, our imagination, and how to discern uh, what are, you know, what those illusions are. A lot of the time we can be fearful of our subconscious because we don't really have control over it. But whenever we can tap in to our intuition, thinking back to like the um, high priestess, when we can tap into our intuition 
and do things like dream work. Uh, we can really understand our subconscious and learn to not be afraid of it, but to understand that it's there to teach us lessons. Our subconscious fears and our illusions and our imagination and all the things that we wish and dream for, they're there for a reason and they really teach us a lot about ourselves. So the moon is about learning those deep, deep beliefs that we have within ourselves and um, figuring out how to navigate them. Then we move into the sun because, you know, whenever there's night, there will always be day, okay? We're always cycling through that night and day energy. And now we come to the sun. We have the sun imagery in the background. This is number 19. There is a little baby, a little naked baby on a white horse. And this little child really represents um, vitality and everything that has to do with sun energy. We've got joy, excitement, main character type of energy, okay? Kind of similar to the fool, but a little bit more um, like, mm, it's like a an assurance from the universe. When you get the sun card, it's, it's the tarot saying, you got this, babe. You've got all of this bright, warm, beautiful energy with, within you, and it's time to let it shine. We have sunflower imagery on this card as well. And it's again, whenever we see these flowers, it's really indicative of abundance and, you know, um, prosperity. We're here on the last two cards. We've got judgment next. And it's kind of crazy coming from the sun to judgment. So judgment is number 20. Um, it's a little bit of a scary looking card, right? So we've got an angel with a trumpet uh, bringing judgment upon the people down below. And just like this would represent in any kind of major religion, um, this represents the reckoning. It represents the end, right before the end, how we're going to be judged for how we've lived our lives, right? This also has represent, like it represents our higher calling and answering that call. So the trumpet really represents um, us listening to the divine when we are called in to um, make changes in our lives. Because if we think about judgment, it's like it's the very end, right? So it's about um, how do you want to be seen? How do you want to be seen at the end of your life? What do you want to be remembered for? What kind of person do you want to be seen as at the end of your life? So when we get the judgment card, sometimes it can be a reminder that like we're being called towards something higher. And then the very end, number 21, we have the world. And once again, we have the fixed cards or sorry, the fixed astrological signs on the edges of this card. That's um, Aquarius, Scorpio, Taurus, and Leo. And in the middle, we have um, a woman who is naked again. She is surrounded by a halo and she represents the end of this journey. This is about integrating all of the things that we've learned, feeling fulfilled in all of the work that we've done and being proud of our accomplishments along the way. This really ties in all of the energy of all of the characters that we've met along this road in the fool's journey. So now that we've gotten to the end, <laughs> I I want to reiterate that, like, you're not going to get the world card, like, w only when you're 90 years old or something and you're at the end of your life, right? We get these cards at numerous times in our life, uh, depending on how much you're pulling the tarot, you can get it, you know, once a week. <laughs> so uh, they're not about... It, the Fool's Journey is not about having this nice, neat, linear journey through these cards. It's about knowing how to meet each of these energies as they arise. And they're going to arise multiple times. They can represent uh, larger areas within our life, but they can also represent smaller things. So I can get the World card, and it can be about me deciding to end a particular part of my life and being done with it and seeing, oh my gosh, it's the end. Look at all the things that I've learned. Look at everything that I've done. And now it's time for me to be done with it. And it's time for me to move on to something new. I can receive the justice card at a time when I need to really sit with my, you know, weigh the options of a situation and look upon it with a 
clear mindset. I can get, I'm picking random cards. I can get the moon card whenever I'm experiencing a lot of fear in my life or uncertainty. And it can be a reminder that I need to do a little bit of introspection to figure out what are these fears rooted in? The emperor might come up whenever you need more structure in your life and you have to figure out how I can, uh, kind of rule my kingdom in a way, my kingdom being my life, <laughs> how can you rule your kingdom in a way that sets you up for success? So these cards come at all kinds of different times. We can use the archetypes within these cards as inspiration for our self-growth. And that's what I've really done with these. If I get a card within a reading and it really sticks out to me, I will put that card up on my little, uh, I have like a bulletin board that I use. I'll put it up on the bulletin board or I'll put it at my altar for the rest of the month. And I will sit with that energy and figure out how can I embody this character within my life? What ways can I bring the energy of this card into the way that I move in my life? And it's taught me so much about myself. It's taught me so much about other people. And I just hope that this will give you a little look into how meaningful the tarot can be, how you can really use it within your spiritual journey. And I hope that if this episode piqued your interest, I invite you to join my Patreon for more tarot-related content. I'm very excited to get more in-depth into each of these cards. I've already got a post on the Chariot card since it's our card of the year, so you can learn a little bit more about that. Each of these posts has my own definitions and connections to the cards, as well as journal prompts and reference links, so you can do your own research and go even deeper into these concepts. I hope you enjoyed this rapid-fire introduction into the Major Arcana cards. I really had fun going through these. I kind of just rambled <laughs> for 50 minutes. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for making it through this entire episode. It's a little longer than I imagined it would be. <laughs> but, you know, that's what happens whenever you get me talking. So <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Make sure to give me a follow on all of your favorite podcast apps and stay tuned for my next episode. Give me a five-star review if you're feeling extra generous today. <laughs> Seriously, though, every little share, comment, like, and listen is so, so, so appreciated more than you can ever know. Thank you again for joining me today. Until next time, sending all my love.